chapter this week will be Lamentations 5, and we'll title it, Our Inheritance is Given to Strangers. And this will be the final chapter of this great book of Lamentations. I know a lot of people say, great book, that's not too great, it's, it's all misery and sadness and depression. And, and, the, and the real key takeout from this book is we should look at the destruction of God's nation back then, find out why it was destroyed, and not repeat those things. Because if we repeat the same sins, which it appears we are doing, that ancient Israel and ancient Judah uh, committed, um, our end is the same. It's destruction, it's misery, it's sadness, it's depression. It, it's, you know, you look at this, 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 uh, this chapter is going to even go into more detail. It was, it was catastrophic. It was devastating what happened to the nations of God's people. Let's just get reading. Lamentations 5 verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what is come upon us. Consider and behold our reproach. Okay, the prophet, most likely Jeremiah, he's pleading to God. This is after the temple was destroyed. Uh, there was famine. People were dying of famine. Um, you know, women were eating their children and, and all this stuff. And he's, and, and he's just pleading to God, please remember us. Please take away this reproach. Okay. Verse 2, our inheritance is turned to strangers, our houses to aliens. Now, now think about this. This, hap this literally happened to the kingdom of Judah back then, as well as the kingdom of Israel over a hundred years prior. The, they had enemy armies conquered their land and stole everything, you know, took everything from them and put them in slavery. Now, this would be the equivalent of the Chinese coming, or the Mexicans or the Chinese coming into America, conquering our land, burning up every house, taking out every government building, and all there is is people wandering around the streets with no food, no government, no structure of anything, and they, and they start taking you away into China. Now think about that. Think about how terrible that would be. They didn't even stay, most of them did not even, weren't even allowed to stay in their own land. They were hauled away as slaves after this uh, great destruction. But, but think about this. It, it's hap the same thing is happening today. Not in a literal way like it did back then. It could. It could happen that way. I'm not saying it won't. But the Immigration Act of 1965 opened the floodgates for non-Christian peoples coming from third world countries um, who now, not unsurprisingly, mostly vote for socialist, anti-American Democrats. Okay, so we're already being invaded. We've been being invaded since 1965 by foreign peoples, by non-Christian peoples, by, I would say, non-Israelite peoples for those who have the wisdom to understand that. Um, so in essence, the, the Immigration Act of 1965 accomplished more for our enemies uh, than any war could have. Than any regular war, they have successfully they 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 have successfully invaded our country without even firing a shot. You know, uh, the city I grew up in was just north of Minneapolis, a northern suburb of Minneapolis, is unrecognizable today. It doesn't even look like the same place that I that I grew up in. I drive through there; it looks like a third world country. Um, I used to be able to play in the streets. Um, when I was a kid out there and it was safe, 
uh, you won't even think about doing that now. It's, it, it, it doesn't even look like the America I grew up in. It looks totally different. And um, maybe this verse explains it. Verse 3, we are orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows. Okay. Again, this happened literally to the ancient kingdom of Judah there. They lot, their parents were killed. Um, the kids were left without fathers or mothers and hauled away as slaves. Think about how devastating that would be. Um, but this is happening today in a spiritual sense. Uh, we keep being divided from our families. Uh, our, the minds of our children are being stolen away from us through the false education system, through uh, you know social media and gadgets they're staring at all day long. They're being taken away, and we don't even realize it. It's happening right before our faces. In fact, with all these COVID restrictions, there are some things like sports events that are going on. They say only one parent can go and no siblings. It's like the whole reason we do this is... Because it's, it, it's supposed to help build our family up and, and things like that. And now you're saying that you can only have one parent so the rest of the family can't go and enjoy uh, watching their children play. Uh, I have no, this, this is absurd. It's being done on purpose. Um, you know, they're invading us. They invaded us through the Immigration Act of 1965. Now I believe they're sort of putting us in slavery and bondage through the COVID-19 uh, false pandemic, I would call it. Why do I call it a false pandemic? Because it's not killing at least two or three percent of the healthy population. It's, in other words, it's not that much different than the flu, other than if you're elderly or you have underlying health issues, then it's more dangerous. But it, if not, your chances of dying from getting COVID 19 are only about 0.001%. And we're freaking out wearing masks and telling people they can't go watch their kids play sports and things like that. It's, it's absurd. It's, it's insanity. It tells us somebody else is, is invading us and telling us what we can and cannot do. We have drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold unto us. In other words, they were taxed on everything. Taxed on their own water from their own property, their own wood. Taxes, taxes, taxes to the Babylonians. Verse 5, our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. Now picture this. Back in the days, I mean, they were literally out there working around the clock, you know, basically with no rest, being worked, based, being worked to death as slaves. Um, you know, this, uh, this is interesting. It says, our necks are under persecution. We labor. Now think about the average white Christian American today. Um, they, they go to work. They labor. And who's taking all that labor? Who's taking all the money? The government is. They're taking that in the forms of all these different taxes. And where are they, who are they giving it to? These people that are coming in from third world countries. We're giving them all the money for their schools, for their education, for their housing. So we are, in essence, slaves in that way. And, and, it, and it really did all begin in 1965 with the Immigration Act. Um, I would say it, it began with our rebellion against God and forgetting his laws, but that was the, the one thing that we can measure the destruction of America by. And nobody hardly even knows about it. The Immigration Act of 1965. I would say Google it, look it up, and you'll find out why I'm saying that. Um, 
Now everything that is white and Christian is being persecuted, just like the ancient Israelites were here by the heathen, under the guise of, anybody want to say? Social justice. Okay, We're being persecuted under the guise of social justice. In other words, what they're, what they're telling us now is everything that is white and everything that is Christian is evil and unjust, and we need to reverse everything. We need to reverse everything. We have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Okay, so the, the, the kingdom of Judah here, as they were being invaded by the Babylonians, they reached out to the Egyptians and they reached out to the Assyrians for help. Now think about that. Instead of repenting for their sins, instead of turning back to God, they were trying to, to, to secure their freedom by going to foreign pagan powers, foreign pagan governments, saying, help us, save us, we want our freedom. But it's too late now. Verse 7, our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquities. Now think about, I brought the Immigration Act of 1965. We are, that act that was passed by our forefathers has brought great destruction upon our nation. So that was a sin, that a sin of theirs that we are living under today. In other words, basically the, the Immigration Act of 1965, prior to 1965, immigration uh, was favored. There, there were quotas on immigration. Before that, we wanted to have mainly people coming from Western Christian European nations. Okay. After that, they reversed the quotas. So now they want to take peoples from third world countries that are non-Christians and give favoritism to them to be able to immigrate to America. So prior to 1965, the laws were set up to keep the ethnic balance in America to be the same. And some would say, well, that's racist. You can't do that. Is it racist for China? Would it be racist for China? Would it be racist for Africa? Would it be racist for any other country to try to maintain the current ethnic balance as far as one people being the majority? Nobody would say that it, that would be bad. Okay, um, Nobody would say that would be bad. It's natural. It's normal. In fact, God even told, foretold of that. That's how nations are supposed to be in Genesis chapter 10. He set the boundaries of the nations. He didn't say we should all have this, we should have this one nation and the end of the world and it should be the great melting pot and everybody should just blend together and, and just have this, uh, this you know, um, <clears throat> no, no, no differences in ethnicities and things like that. That's absurd. It's absurd. It won't be that way in the eternity and, um, and so on. But anyways, so they, they brought great shame upon us by passing that act. Um, Deuteronomy 5 verse 9 says this, Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them to the gods of the heathen, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Okay? So, yeah, we, we do suffer from the sins of our fathers, but if we turned away from the sins of our fathers, 
God would then show us mercy. Um, but it does seem to be a pattern. Your father's sin, the children's sin, and it seems to kind of usually follow um, um, the family line, unfortunately. Verse 8, servants have ruled over us. There is none that doth deliver us out of their hand. Now, this is a really deep verse. I touched upon it several months ago in a, in a study I did on slavery. Um, the Israelites from Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, God said they were supposed to be a holy people, a special people above all peoples of the earth. They were supposed to be a priest people, a dignified people, not a nation of slaves, okay? There were other nations, believe it or not, that uh, like Ham, for example, uh, the Canaanites, that were that God pronounced the curse that that nation would be slaves for for I think perpetual time, um, but but what we had here when the nation of uh, Judah was destroyed, these other people that were coming in and conquering them, they were supposed to be the servants to Israel, not Israel being their servants. So it reversed, it reversed, and for the deeper student, it's being. I believe it's being reversed to this day. Christian peoples are serving pagan peoples rather than pagan peoples being subservient to our dominant Christian force and power. And we've reversed that. Slaves are now masters and masters, those that were destined to be masters are now slaves. Okay? Verse 9, we got our bread with the peril of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. Okay? So, think about this. It was so desperate. There was no food. Um, and, and when they were trying to look for food out in the wilderness, they had to worry about bands of robbers. I mean, there, were, there was no law and order here. I mean, the Babylonians, they did whatever they wanted to to the, to the children of Judah. There, were, the, there was nothing that held them back from any form of murder, Depravity, and you'll see what, what the next verse says, uh, next couple of verses. Our skin was black as an oven because of the terrible famine. They, now here's what I was coming here. This is what I was setting up here. They ravished the women in Zion and the maids in the city of Judah. Okay? So the enemies destroyed everything. They took everything over and they didn't stop there. These depraved Babylonian men now violated all of the women. You know, I can't imagine. I mean, this is, this is, this is the bottom. This is, I couldn't imagine the horror and the degradation. Your, your nation has just been totally um, uh, degraded. You know, when it gets to that point. I mean, there's nobody that was not, basically hardly anybody that was probably not touched by this event. Verse 12. You know, you look at uh, this verse here, and I, and I think about what goes on in the inner cities. And, you know, we keep voting for Democrats. We support Black Lives Matter. And, we, yeah, we really will, I believe, have to worry about things like these coming out into our neighborhoods. Um, you know, in, in these neighborhoods where there are, or in these places where Sharia law is implemented. I mean, there's places in, in America where Sharia law is being enforced by bands of lawless men. And they, if they see a woman wearing what they don't uh, approve of, 
they will go and violate that woman. And so, yes, these things are happening in America, not to the extent as what we saw here, but they could. And that's why, that's why we need to fear God. It really is. We need to fear God because these things can and will happen if we do not repent and turn to God. Verse 12, princes are hanged up by their hand. The faces of the elders were not honored. All the political leaders hung up in front of everybody. Nobody was the Babylonians, just despised everybody. Verse 13, they took the young men to grind and children fell under the wood. So the very young children, I mean, children younger than Jacob here were slaves and they, they, they bore such a great burden that they, that they were falling down trying to walk carrying the, these loads of wood and, and whatever else they were doing. Um, the elders have ceased from the gate, the young men from their music. Okay, At the, at the gates of cities here, um, these were the, the place where everybody socialized and they had good times and, and you know they, they were happy and they sang and none of that is going on anymore. It's all gone. It's all gone. Verse 15, the joy of our heart is ceased. Our dance is turned into mourning. Could you imagine that? I couldn't imagine living during this time. And the prophet, he lived. He saw all of this happen. How could you... How, and what he's saying is basically all joy from his heart is, is removed. There, at this point, it would feel like there's nothing to live for. Everything is gone. Everything's been violated. Uh, nothing is held sacred. Verse 16, the crown has fallen from our, from our head. Woe unto us. Now check this out. Woe unto us that we have sinned. Now you may have been reading all these verses wondering, oh man, uh, that was terrible for, for them. Nothing like that would ever happen. This is the picture that God wants us to know. These events, all those things I was reading and describing, national sins lead to national judgment. Those things could happen to our country. You know, the Israel, the children of Judah, at that before the Babylonians came, they were living it up just like we have been for decades and decades, thinking nothing is ever going to happen, will never be destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem are too great. Uh, we have a strong military and all these types of things. And it was just overnight that everything fell and chaos and destruction happened. Uh, Am I trying to scare us? Yes. I'm trying to scare you. I'm trying to say we need to fear God. Okay. Now, as a Christian, uh, God protected Jeremiah during this time. So should we fear as Christians? We should fear for our nation. But as individuals, I think God will protect us even if he tears down our entire nation before our eyes. I really do. Um, so I don't want you to fear in that respect. Um, but we do need to know the seriousness of sin. Sin brings all of these things that we're reading about. That's the end result. Doom, destruction, sadness, and lamentation. Verse 17, For this our heart is faint. For these things our eyes are dim. Depression, anxiety, sadness. Because of the mountain of Zion, because of the mountain of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walked upon it. Now, the temple, Mount Zion, that was the capital, uh, capital of the nation. 
it's totally destroyed. That used to be where every all every you know all the action was the big city. It's totally destroyed. Nobody lives there anymore, and there's foxes, wild animals roaming it now. Now picture picture some of our biggest cities. Picture Minneapolis, St. Paul. Picture that just being totally annihilated, and animals and are just running wild dogs and cats and everything's just roaming that area. Or Washington D.C. That's the equivalent of what happened to them. Thou, O Lord, remainest forever, thy throne from generation to generation. Wherefore dost thou forget us forever and forsake us so long time? Okay, so yeah, he's, he's pleading with God, don't forget us. But remember, God said they were going to suffer for 70 years as slaves in Babylon. And then he would restore them. And this was just the beginning. This was the beginning of a 70-year captivity. Turn thou unto thee, O Lord. Uh, turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. You know, I think this is the prayer of all of us here and of all of the remnant in America is, is, is we're hoping that people will turn to God. And he's actually praying that God turn the hearts of the people back to him. You know, we can, sometimes we, we can, uh, you know, just make ourselves tired hoping and praying and telling other people to repent and turn to God. And uh, evidently, Jeremiah was probably like that as well. And it finally, that was no good. Nobody would turn back to God. Now he's taking a different approach. He's asking God to turn their hearts back to him. But thou hast utterly, now check this out. This is the point of this, this strong book here. But thou hast utterly rejected us. Thou art very wroth against us. Okay. And, uh, whoops. That's how this book ends. It ends with that statement. Doesn't sound very happy. Um, doesn't sound very joyous. But that's the lesson. You know, the, the nation was... In sin, they would not repent for their sins. And it got to the point where God kept trying to get their attention by sending the prophets. And they kept uh, mocking the prophets, ridiculing them. Until, you know, Jeremiah was actually the song, the, the author of Lamentations here. They were singing songs mocking him in their taverns right before this destruction happened. They're mocking him, saying that crazy prophet says, destruction's coming, we better stop sinning, homosexuality's wrong. You know, that crazy Jeremiah, ha, 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 ha. Now look it. Now he says, but thou hast utterly rejected us, thou art very wroth against us. Now this happened, this happened to the nation. They were utterly rejected Then for 70 years. Uh, it was too late for them. They suffered the, the severe uh, judgment of God. Um, and did I miss a couple of verses? Or was that last week? I think that was last week. There was No, that was last week. I'll bring it up. But um, it said that God said that he punished the kingdom of Judah more than he punished the, the city of Sodom. And some would say, you know, why would he do that? You know, why was their punishment greater? Because Sodom he destroyed in an instant. But... 
the kingdom of Judah, they suffered through these sieges of the Babylonians. You know, so you have all the fear and the anxiety and the buildup, the starvation, the ravishing of the women, all these things that just just totally steal every amount of joy you could have in you uh, happened to them, and, and they suffered. They suffered. Um, whereas the Sodomites, they actually got off easy. Good judgment came, and they all burned up. They were all gone. But the kingdom of Judah suffered greatly um, for what they had done. Um, and so, again, the, the end point is we better not, on an individual level, if you want to continue to live in sin, and not repent, this is your personal end. All these feelings, all of this misery, this is where, this is what you will feel, right? Before, I mean, suffering for a while before you enter that lake of fire, no doubt. Um, so that concludes this book. I think the next book we'll do will either be the book of Ezekiel or Jeremiah. Because that, that fits into what, that'll tell us what happened, what was going on in the nation before they fell. And I believe that those books are so timely today because we're at a crossroads. We're either going to repent as a nation, uh, or God might bring a revival, or if Biden gets in and the Democrats have their way and, and Black Lives Matter and Antifa start ruling our country, it's going to be very serious, very dangerous, very fast. And you know what? We're only weeks away from that, or not even weeks, days away from that deciding moment. Um, and I hope people realize how serious this is. Any questions or comments? Yeah. Um, maybe it's in another book or something, but I'm just curious about how Jeremiah seemed to escape some of this suffering. I mean, obviously, he was suffering because he was seeing it to his own people. But do you know what was he taken in by the government or, or something or how? I read. Um, now it's actually probably different in the end times because they're going after Christians, so it's a little different. Um, Revelation says they're martyring all the Christians, but but back then. It was now some commentaries that I read. I don't know where they got this information from. They said that the Babylonians, when they came, they liked Jeremiah because he favored them in the prophecies. Like he was, he was talking against his own nation, saying they're going to fall, and said it's going to be by the bed. So they, so for you know, for some reason they, you know, they liked that. They considered him kind of like an ally, and treated him well and uh, and uh, and good. Some would say that's probably not doesn't seem fair. Yeah. Uh, but we do know the example of Daniel. Uh, he had, he ended up thriving in Babylon, and the three, the other three Hebrews. Um, so there were some of God's people that actually thrived in Babylon, while the rest suffered. So that gives me hope to a certain extent. Although I do know it's a little different in the in the end. Like like I said, the Book of Revelation talks about when the beast comes. It's they're coming after Christians. Um, not just the, uh, not just the the wicked sinners, and it it definitely feels like that now with how demonic things are getting. And I still, you know, like even with in that scenario, and I'm not, of course, saying God doesn't know what He's doing at all, but it seems like you would hope there'd be a little more, a little more selective punishment. You know, it's like especially state by state. You know, you got. Some states that are, you know, just so pro-abortion and pro-homosexual and pro, 
you know, taking away our rights and our liberties and our freedoms and anti-God. And then you got other states that are, for the most part, the people in it are God-fearing, you know, what, what used to be places like Texas and <clears throat> stuff like that. And then, I, I don't know, it's just a statement, I guess. I just hope that, you know, God doesn't judge the, na the whole nation because of the evil left. Yeah. That's I what they're doing. I'm hoping that we're like in a time more like Samson's time uh, where the uh, the Philistines were ruling over the Israelites and then God rose up Samson to destroy the power of the Philistines over them. I'm hoping it's more like that. But man, when you see this acceptance of homosexuality, you know, well, the Pope for one, when you see the acceptance of homosexuality among mainstream churches, that's alarming to me. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but preparing mentally and spiritually for the worst. Anybody else got any? Anybody think this was a happy book? You <laughs> come smiling? It's a happy book if you learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what it does for me. It, it, I don't minimize... Uh, you know, it makes you in your mind not minimize sins as though sins are oh, it's just a sin. You know, how, however little it is, um, That's easy to do. it makes you realize that they're all serious, and uh, not that we're supposed to constantly live in guilt and oh man, I sinned today. I I yelled at somebody and got mad, and I you know, it's it, not that not I, I'm not saying that we should you know. You know, have this constant sense of guilt because we shouldn't, but we should be striving to hate sin to avoid it because of what it brings. Um, anybody else? All right. Christian Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you. And thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He is loose the faithful lightning of his terrible so